Welcome to the Digital Broker Podcast with Steve Anderson and Ryan Deeds, where we help agents and brokers drive profitability through operational excellence. Hello and welcome to Real Talk on Agency Operations. I'm Steve Anderson and I'm uh, in the studio here with Ryan Deeds and today we're going to talk all about data and Ryan's smiling <laughs> over there because he loves data. He's a data geek, self-professed and uh, my job I think on this one is going to be keeping him reined in. But data is such a key core piece of what happens in an agency. And frankly, very few people in the agency actually spend enough time thinking about it and really examining what that data can and can't do or should and doesn't do for the organization. So, Ryan, there's more data today than ever, right? And we're seeing, again, new technologies, Internet of Things, uh, streaming information. We've got data everywhere. And uh, actually, a little story, I... Um, I first started talking about data sources and the future, which at the time I thought was the near future of being able to go out. You had a uh, you know, small business owner, let's say, and wanted to get a quote on insurance. You could go out and pull in all the data about that business, the building, the location, what they did, right? All, work comp, I mean, all kinds of information that would be available from data sources, quote, out there and pull that all in without ever having to ask that individual much of a question uh, to give you that information. Well, that was about 1919. Uh, <laughs> no, that was about 2002 or so when uh, I was doing a road show for an insurance company talking about the Internet, right, and, and all those things. Well, it took a bit longer mm -hmm. uh, to get there. there. Well, we're still not there, <laughs> but we certainly are closer. Absolutely. Right. So let's talk a little bit about data, the importance, and, and why you even focus on it. Well, I think, I think when you look around at an organization, there are so many opportunities to capture data today to help deal with efficiencies, where your money needs to be invested, what opportunities are out there. But it's a daunting task because, as you said, there are so many more data sources. And you need a skill set in the organization to be able to come up with a, a roadmap to determine what data points do we need to be able to hit a goal. Obviously, it's always going to be tied to a business goal. A lot of times we have people say, oh, we don't have access to our data. And I don't ever know what that means exactly until we drill that back. And a lot of times in an agency, what that means is they don't have an easy way to pull books of business. You know, they've got to go through an intermediary person to pull books of business and then they get it in Excel and they deliver that report. Um, when I see an agency in that space, I know that their analytical maturity is, is very, very young. And I think of data in four different buckets, really. It's kind of a maturation timeline. So you have zero. Zero is the start. It's, it's the typical process today. You've got a bunch of data. When you need a report, you call somebody, they spend a couple days, and then you have a report that you get at your desk. And if that's your life in an agency today, then you're at, you're at position zero. There hasn't really been a thought of, of how do you uh, weaponize that data? How do you bring it to your advantage? The second 
one is data. So it's got zero data, information, knowledge, and wisdom. And even the most high-tech companies out there right now are kind of stuck at knowledge. They haven't been able to make that jump to, to wisdom. We see that wisdom sometimes in like a Netflix recommendation, right? Mm-hmm. Hey, you watch this many videos, that's what it is. So is that a, a bit where machine learning it is. will it, start mach- coming in to it, it, interpret it, it a little bit better? It will, but again, I think we get caught up into words, machine learning and AI, and that that really makes it nebulous. I think when we think about machine learning and artificial intelligence, we talk about algorithms that use historical data to predict what will happen in the future with some statistical probability, right? I don't like AI. I don't like the word AI. It's, I agree it, with you on that one. It, it, it scares people, and there's it's too hard to put into tactical application. But if we talk about looking at our data historically to determine what's going to happen in the future, Every agency out there has policy data that they can leverage. I also think another key element of data is we all have it. Every one of our businesses have data. The differentiator is who's using it more effectively. Isn't a differentiator also the quality of the data? Absolutely. And that's sort of a core concept here that we want to really a- delve into. Absolutely. And so, you know, as we talk through our model, which is zero to data, if you're in that collection standpoint where you're making that call to one person that's bringing everything together, to go from that to data in our maturation model, that's where you have to start standing back, looking at your overall strategy, determining what data points you can collect and how they might impact you. One of the things that I see a lot of agency principals want is a quantification of productivity. They have a gut feeling that they are not as productive as they could be. Of course, when you ask them, well, what does that mean? What does that mean? mean? <laughs> right? <laughs> um, they don't really know. And so when I... F- or they come back with revenue per employee or, I mean, some of the right. kind of standard measures of productivity. Right. Which really doesn't talk about individual departmentalized productivity metrics. From my perspective, every system that you have in an organization should be putting out data markers that you can collect back to a central area. So then you can analyze that data. Like, and if you look at an insurance agency, we have at least four core systems. You have an agency management system. You're going to be able to get data from that all day. You have a phone system. You'll probably be able to get who they're calling. You have a document management system. And then you have emails and different communication systems. So if you bring all those together into one area and analyze that, you can get a kind of a baseline of who's doing what in an organization that can help quantify productivity. Now, you can't just use that number in isolation. There's mm-hmm. a lot missing out of that, but at least you can start filling in some gaps. I think that one of the daunting tasks is if I'm a if I'm in an organization today that doesn't have a data management strategy, it's where do I start? How do I how do I begin this journey? Um, and I would say start with your internal operations. The, the the primary question that I will ask you is how do you gauge the annualized revenue of a policy. Because in a lot of cases, many agencies don't have that. They have one number, they have what's been billed. And that's a very difficult thing to, to, to do anything with. Because you have to pick one data point. So when we talk about data correctness, if you look at um, the agencies that I've worked with, we always use something called estimated revenue. Estimated revenue is a very specific number that is the annualized amount of revenue we expect to collect on the policy over that, that period of time. But we change business rules to make that work. So if you had a three-year pollution policy that we were paying 
10,000, 10,000, 10,000, that's now a one-year, three-term policy that we're collecting so we don't show $30,000 worth of revenue. Right. If you have a five-year tail policy that you paid $20,000 for, that's actually now two policy terms. One is the first year where we collected revenue, and then you have a four-year term that we did not collect revenue. So we can bounce what we booked against what we estimated and see what's true and what's not true. Well, and a simple example of that is just endorsements. That's right. right? Add a vehicle. That's right. Well, you add a vehicle six months in, you revenue is six months of that. That's right. But the annualized is the obviously the full 12 months of that. That's right. And, and when you look at all the transactions that go into making up that number, that can be difficult if you're not making the right assumptions. Well, and I think that each business, I mean, that's, you'll spend more time talking about, I, I, the first thing that you've got to do is normalize verbiage in an organization. And when I say normalize verbiage, what I mean is, if you say written and I say estimated, we mean the same thing. And so we take away all the other words. When I first I was going to say, so you pick one. That's right. You pick one. Right. So for each of your data markers, you pick one way to call that. And then you call that across the board. And then you can place audits on that. Like with estimated revenue, if you book more revenue than you've estimated, we'll throw an audit. Because you throw a flag out there to the end user, so they'll come back and correct that. Because you know you've already collected more than you've estimated. The value is off. They need to go and fix that, mm, right? Okay. And so we have a bunch of those audits and the agencies that I work with to make sure that that data is correct. But that's the foundation. I mean, and even to get there can be very difficult because, I mean, you have to have a lot of conversations. Right. Do you have that estimated revenue number? You know, typically you're going to know your booked revenue very well. Every agency out there knows what they've made mm -hmm. because that's in arrears and that's how you're getting paid, <laughs> right? Looking forward is much more difficult because you have to have some bucket that, that holds that. But that's generally where I start on what do we call this number and how do we audit it? Okay, so really good theory. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I'm not saying mm -hmm. that at all. Mm -hmm. Can you give us a, an example of how you actually implement that sure sure and how we use it i mean so yeah. <laughs> so if you take a very simple policy it's a 12 month policy it's $12,000 you're you're getting $1,000 a month well your estimated revenue would be $12,000 at any point if you're in say that it runs december to january if i'm sitting in july i should collect $6,000 well if my estimated revenue says 12,000 and I'm halfway through and I've only collected $3,000, there's a problem. Mm -hmm. Lost money. A lot of producers walk around feeling like they get screwed by the carrier or screwed by the agency. They're not, I'm missing money out there. I hear that every time I go into an agency. I know they're not paying us what they're supposed to. The only way that you can prove that out is by having two numbers, what you expect to collect and what you have collected. But that's where we use it on book of business. So when we look at a producer, their book of business is the aggregate amount of estimated revenue on a, their active policies. And that becomes their book. And then we can track that growth because we've normalized that language, mm -hmm. right? And we want to see growth in that. Account managers. If an account manager today holds $500,000 worth of estimated revenue on her book of business, technological advancements and improvements that I put in, that we put in place, maybe we'll move that to be able to go to $550,000 worth of estimated revenue. And over a two or three year period of time, you should see a systemic increase in that ability to handle business. And that all came from that one data marker. One data marker did that. Estimated revenue, because that normalized the language. Everybody got on the same page. Everybody knew what they were looking at. And for the most part, most agencies struggle with that. So it's something that they will have a vested interest to, to make work right. if they to have figure, a path to do it. Yeah, figure it out. Mm -hmm. and I, so let's step back just a second. Mm -hmm. What are the big problems with 
bad data. And let me give you a little background on my thinking. And I've said that this for a long time, that most agencies' data, certainly in their agency management system, and, and you've identified a few other systems, right? Mm-hmm. But they, the other ones may not have as much data, right? So structured data mm-hmm. versus a document management system, which would be unstructured data, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so we know that this number is the amount of coverage that we have on the home or the building. So that's a very structured type of data point. Right. But certainly as we get into underwriting information and a whole bunch of other kind of areas where we have data gathered, there's inconsistency in terms of who captures what. There's inaccuracy, maybe Mm -hmm. because in the past there was a limitation on the agency management system, didn't have a field, right, for a piece of data. So we all decided, again, normalizing our Mm -hmm. language, we all decided that we're going to put it over in this field, even though it was never designed. Zip code two. Yes. (laughs) Right. Exactly. So help us think through the implications of that. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting because a lot of times principals will see some of the dashboards that I've created and they'll be like, oh, I want that. What they don't see is the three years of work it took to get that dashboard meaningful. And again, this is where I come back to process over product. I've seen so many organizations go out and buy a Domo or a Tableau and they put it in place and they've got really pretty reports that don't mean anything because they haven't put any work into the culture side. My goal when I do analytics projects is to ensure that I can replicate the human deliverable if it was valuable, automatically, with whatever we need to do with that. When you say data correctness, I think culture and accountability, right? Mm -hmm. The the product that we use, Sajita, for a long time didn't didn't date stamp like it stuffed correctly. So you could put in a date 10-10-01, that's like 01 AD or something, you know? So it would blow up all the systems. Well, if you have that, that sounds like the year two thousand issue to uh, me. It, but I mean, uh, <laughs> it, it was it, you know, and, and, and it and this was happening for many many years. So when you would get your expiration list or you try to do analysis on anything, you'd always have to correct that data first. And it was generally unless you have purposeful data management and you're talking to your staff about why their input is important to the system correctly, it's not going to be. I also think that's why you bring in technology to make the collection of that data more seamless. So if you identify that the flow of the data that's coming into the organization is always coming in inconsistently through these 20 forms, and by the time we get it into structured data, out of unstructured data, it's unusable, I would say let's look at the collection mechanism. Mm. And can we change that into a single place where the consumer enters the data and then it flows effectively to something I can either ETL, move into the data structure, or automatically feeds into the data structure. And and that's a bit problematic for staff, though, isn't it? Because their management system typically gauges how the data is entered. And for many of them, it's a court form. That's correct. Right? Entry. And some now are, you know, more data field entry that the court form becomes the output, yeah. not the input. I don't think that you can have good data in an organization unless you provide a feedback <clears throat> loop to the user. To me, that is the most fundamental and critical element of any of these data projects. Because as my user inputs data, they really are just trying to get through the work. They're right, they're just to, trying to get something done. Yeah, man, they're trying to, I mean, and, and, and I believe in my soul fundamentally that each one of the employees are trying to do the best they can. 
mm-hmm. right? Nobody's trying to short the system, but maybe somebody had a bad day. Maybe they're super busy and they're slamming away at this stuff and you miss a keystroke or two. Well, you can create mechanisms to catch those keystrokes and then show those that bad data to the end user so they go in and correct that. Now, is that, is that something anybody can do, or is that based on your technology infrastructure? No, I mean, I think anybody can do that. It's more discussion-based, right? Okay. It's like if you just take estimated revenue as how do you audit estimated revenue? We audit it two ways. One, is there estimated revenue value in that bucket, right? Okay. Or is there no Blank value? Blank or not. That's right. Null or not. That's correct. And is that value understated? Right. So those are the two. And so when but when we run our books of business, we're within two percent of the entire deal. I mean, that's our accuracy variance. My CFO called me and she said, man, we're like forty eight thousand dollars off out of twenty four million dollars. I'll take that all day. <laughs> you know, acceptable level. That's of right. Uh, there error. has to be an acceptable level of error. But I will tell you, it took us two years to get to the point with discussions and what data were we going to audit? How do we audit that? What are the known good things? Changing the business rules. You know, how do you deal with uh, the different kinds of business that you have that might throw those analytics off? And who'd you have those discussions with? That's the ops team, totally. That's the COO, the CFO, typically are the, the main ones. If you have a commercial lines manager, she's going to be, they're going to be involved. Um, but that's really the team, the employee benefits manager, you know, those main managers. But it really does come from the COO, CFO because they are the ones that are ultimately going to be held responsible for the quality of the reports that are being generated back to the owners. But I think there's a lot of reports that we leverage on a day-to-day basis that help the users out. And after they can see a dashboard and they see their own data, I mean, if you have an employee that comes in, they sit down at their desk and they say, okay, you started the year at $400,000 book of business. You're at $520,000 book of business today. That is a testament to their ability to leverage technology more effectively than somebody else, especially if you have five people in the same department doing the same role and you have two that are took 30% increases on their books of business. Mm-hmm. So, And that helps answer that question earlier of... We aren't productive That's right. as we could be, That's but correct. now you've got some uh, some real answers to that. But I think that data shapes communication. So, okay, if you, if you think about this, and I like this example, oftentimes producers are given business, right? You refer business to a producer. I'm a $2 million producer, and I hand down $200,000 worth of business to junior producer over there. Well, five years later, junior producer is now a $900,000 producer, and he's walking around, his chest is all high, he's, he, he's $900,000, that's what he sees in a service book. Well, we call that out, and we show them this was organic, and this was referred business, because I want them to understand their contribution implicitly. I don't want it to be nebulous. I don't want them to be walking around thinking, yes, I contributed $900,000 when maybe they only contributed Mm $500,000, right? Because the rest of it was given to them. That's correct. They didn't actually produce it. And so you can actually show a salary that they got from the business that they were referred that changes the way that they can communicate with the principals, Mm -hmm. right? Because when you call that person in and say, hey, let's talk about your book of business, that's much more clear. They've been able to see it beforehand. Now they know exactly where they stand. You're measuring growth the right way. I mean, so again, data underpins so much communication in an organization and provides role clarity. And my greatest frustration is role clarity in an operations team. Who does what? Who's responsible for it? And, and what are the metrics of success and failure that we're leveraging? 
And, and you found that the employee dashboard, mm-hmm. which has an indicator indication of what their numbers are, mm-hmm. has been a really great motivator for them to actually make sure their data, right, their numbers are that, accurate and that's correct. That's correct, especially for the producers, right? I mean, from our perspective, what we do is here's all your data, producer, <clears throat> and we put it out in a way that's standard. And if it's incorrect, they see it every day, it's their job to check the reliability of that data. What If they come in and say, oh, well, my new sales is higher than that, if that's the sales meeting, it doesn't matter. We're going to count what's on the dashboard. But if they come five days before the sales meeting, they say, oh, my God, I'm not seeing these three new businesses. Well, then we can go and look in the you can coding. You go and look and find out why. That's right. right. And typically, it's bad data. Yes. It's, it's a data it's marker not. that wasn't flipped the right way, you know. And so producers are actually the ones, they're the ones that, that worry the most about their income. Right. right, of course. Right. So typically when you go into an organization with a with no data strategy, I see a producer that has a spreadsheet that he's created tracking his production against what his paycheck should be. And then he always has those awkward conversations with accounting to say, I'm not getting paid what I should be. Where is this? Well, in an organization that has put emphasis on data structure and data strategy, that producer should be able to pull up a book of business, see exactly what they're getting paid. My producers to the penny on direct bill can tell you what they're going to get paid by the end of the month as it comes in. As it comes in. That's right. As it as it hits. That's right. Mm-hmm. The agency bill is a little different because you're dealing with AR. Right. But, I mean, for the most part, things are trending towards direct bill. And so, no, the producer dashboard is generally the first thing that people, agencies, want to see. It's typically not the first thing that I deliver because the data correctness is not there. You got to get the account managers on board with the data correctness to get the data right before you show it. Because I will tell you this, do not show people bad data. You will set your BI projects, your business intelligence projects back years. The second you come out with a graph and you show it to somebody and say, look at this cool data. And that data is wrong from what they know, even if it's not truly wrong, but if it's wrong from what they know, they will question the accuracy of that stuff for so long. For forever. Forever. So forever. so that, that sort of goes back to a point you made earlier in terms of the dashboards mm-hmm. and certainly management, seeing all the sexy dashboard stuff. Mm-hmm. I want that. And I believe your comment was don't implement that before That's right. you have a data strategy. And, and in our conversation before we started, you mentioned this idea of a data roadmap. Mm-hmm. Is that part of that strategy to get this data accurate before you start showing it? Yes, yes. I think so. So the way that I accomplish this now is um, there are some technologies out there that allow you to get the raw data into a pivot table that you can then give to the operations team. Okay. So if phase one of a data project with Ryan Deeds would be, I'm going to come in, we're going to set up some cubes. These are so this is not of, Excel pivot table. This it, is it, it, it could be. It, it, you actually access it via Excel. Okay, but it sits in the cloud as we think of it on a data model that mm-hmm. you've created, and it's very quick to create. But then you render that data model down to the operations team and the operational managers that know their data. Okay, okay? so we got to pause here a second. Are there specific tools there that are. agencies can use to help with this? There are. There. So it, I'm, I'm trying. I try to balance this from being a vendor. I know. You know, but yes, I get I, it. I, I but, think. The easiest. But I, I think the issue is, okay, we talk about this data right, roadmap, data model. Uh, what do I even do with sure. this? Yes, I get, sure. you know, hopefully people listening will go, yeah, I, I get it. Okay, we need good data. 
The next step is, what do we do? That's right. That's right. So, I mean, if we're looking at a tactical roadmap, what you would actually do is you'd identify your data sources. If you're working with me, we're going to identify all your data sources. We're going to rank those by relevancy and importance. We're going to bring that data into a central area, which is called a data warehouse, right? You're going to get some data professional Mm -hmm. to create a central repository of information. And generally, a data warehouse is a lot of conversation. The more you can talk about your data warehouse before you build it out to determine what you hope to elicit out of it, the better your data warehouse will be. Instead of just go put all our stuff there, right? It's more like, what are you actually looking to accomplish? You know, do you want to increase efficiencies? Because then we need to get like more operational data. If it's yeah. So just as you talk through the data points that you want to collect for the goals that you have out there, that's the big deal. And then the next one is the technology that I use specifically, and I've written a LinkedIn article. So if you look at Ryan Deed's LinkedIn, it's called SSAS Tabular with Row-Level Security. It's a Microsoft... That's a gripping title. I know, I know. <laughs> and and the, the blog post, the, the LinkedIn post is very dry, but it's a very narrow technology. So if you look, a lot of technology is deep as heck. This one, you can actually learn it, uh, the basics of it in a day, but it allows you to create a data model, which is really, if you think about a data model, it's a bunch of Excel spreadsheets that are linked together and then put up into a place where you have just changed the words that every, so everybody's seeing the exact same words. Okay. And then they go into Excel and they access this data model and then I'll leave that with them for 18 months. Use this data model. You tell me where the data is bad, right? So when they start pulling their books of business and they're like, well, golly, this is wrong, then we can delve into, okay. You can trace it back to where that's right. that and inaccurate piece of that, data came that's from. That's correct. And we can put the process in place to correct that. Because the first thing that I always do is examine the life book of business on an insurance agency because it's always overstated. Because you got a 20-year life term. Mm. And if you're looking at active book of business, they pull that and they're like, oh, yeah, we always have to exclude life, right? Because they're showing there's nine, no way to. Right. They're showing nine million dollars worth of life business because it's been over 30 years of business. Right. But you can use that as an illustration on how they're going to have to change their process. These are going to be single term policies, then one year and then forever going forever forward. going forward. Because yeah. each data marker that you hit, you've got to really dig into what comprises that and how to, how do you get better data out of that? Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that road that roadmap then is part so, yeah. of that. So, so the next yeah. thing, yeah. So the, so I mean, the roadmap to me, once they have the pivot table in place, most agencies could really live off the pivot tables forever. But they spend eighteen months creating process and fixing data problems, which maybe hey, we don't have this data marker. Well, okay, let's bring in a contractor to fill in that data marker for the last two years and let's put a process in place so we can ensure that that gets filled out going forward. Right. right? And we're going to so audit that. Backfill. That's correct. And then that's right. Make and sure we actually audit correct. that going forward mm-hmm. to make sure that data is correct. Um, but in that 18 months that they're spending with that data model, that's what they're doing. They're really just using that to analyze the inaccuracies. And once that's done, now you have good data for that, for whatever that cube, whatever that model held. Well, now you can come and put any pretty visualization tool you want on top of that. We use Power BI. Power BI fits directly on top of SSAS Tabular. Mm-hmm. Now you can have line level managers kind of creating their own visualizations while you ensure the single source of truth, which if you're a data person, single source of truth is the most important element because it is the known truth, right? It is, if you have a human report and a machine report, I'm going to go off of my single source of truth. And if I've been in an analytics department and we've built all this culture, my machine reports are going to take all the nuances that this human report probably forgot. Didn't do. That's right. Right. And until proven 
inaccurate that's, that is the that's correct. sole source. And it's a constant verification. I mean, you constantly have people coming up and saying, no, this is wrong. And then you got to go into the system and show them, no, this is actually correct. And here's what happened what that happened. made it wrong. Right. You know, It's a lot of time. But the roadmap is just that. What are my data sources? What's the priority ones? Collect those in a centralized area. Somehow render that data out as raw as you can to the the line managers. Get them to verify that data. And at that point, you're ready to move to that next level of visualization. Okay. So one last question as we start wrapping up here. Download. So, I mean, I think when you talk download, we talk about any kind of um, automated data system. Mm -hmm. Right. Anything that's going to help me populate the, the stuff that I need to. And from my perspective, personal lines and select accounts. And as we progress, you know, that marker will increase. Right. Right now, five thousand dollars and below business. You almost have to use download because if it's a volume play, that means that if you're not using download, then you're staffing for every 500 clients that you have. And if you have to staff, and that's for not sustainable. That's right. There's no scalable right. profitability there. Right. The comment I hear over and over again is, you know, download overwrites my data. It doesn't work. It right. All of those mm -hmm. kind of pushbacks. My pushback to that is stop whining. It works. Mm -hmm. And for me, the question in terms of quality data for its overwriting, and, and again, there are some exceptions here, so I don't want to be hard sure, and fast, sure. but is what data do you have in there that it's overwriting? Right. Is it in the wrong place? Is it? Can you just speak to that briefly? Well, I, mean, I think as you strategize on scalability and you determine that download is a necessity, I mean, it's not an option to me. It's, mm -hmm. Unless you're getting out of personal lines altogether, <clears throat> agencies are going to be using some kind of download. And so then you're going to change your business process to determine if, if this stuff is getting overwritten, you're either going to keep it in another bucket, which is imperfect, or you're going to make that not matter anymore. Right. You know? And so uh, the amount of data that we have access to is gigantic. That stuff that actually matters is very minimal. Mm. Right. And I think that's a good point in terms of we gather a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. And how much of it truly is stuff that we need to we do pay attention to, right? Yeah. Maybe not even need to. It was interesting when we were running analytics on our document management system. Um, what we saw was for every a hundred items that they would put in to the document management system, they would reference one, and mm -hmm. it would take about three minutes for them to put items into the document management system. Now it made that retrieval of that one much faster, but. Just that the, the analytics itself played out and said, yeah, we need to attach less, right? Because if this is on average taking you two minutes and you're doing this for a hundred times, times a hundred employees, it, you just take a net saving so quickly. Right. And that was a very easy way to quantify that, to show to ownership, to say, this is what's happening. Can we reduce this? Well, and, and I think for me, the, the conversation then is, why are we keeping these, the, these right. documents? Are they E and O, That's right. which we have to keep, That's right. or are they just because we're used to doing, we're used to doing right. it and cutting down, which right. again is part of that increasing productivity back to the individual staff member? Well, and I think it's, it's, it's not fair in a lot of cases to the staff that we, that we deal with. We, you know, we deal with a staff that has been trained to be risk adverse. Yes. That is their whole deal, right? They are there to protect their clients from risk, and they're going to do the best job that they can. And then we show up with newfangled thing that they have no idea of how much risk is involved with it, what success looks like. And we expect them to go and implement it and do well with it. And it's not the same person. It's a different kind of individual that's doing that. So I think, you know, for each of the folks that you're dealing with, the data that they're able to leverage is a little bit different. 
And the more customized you can make that solution for each individual, the better that buy-in will be and the better your overall data strategy will be. Yeah, and, and, and kind of tie this in, the better your overall data strategy, the better quality data you have, and then the analytics, the dashboard, the whatever that's going to look like in the future is actually going to be a real helpful tool for management, but also for staff members. I, I mean, I could talk about, you know, pers- uh, data projects that, that we've worked on all day, but I think in the show previous, we said, you know, don't go get a developer if you don't have good data. Today, I'm going to say, don't go mess around with your data if you don't have culture. Because if you don't have a culture of accountability, there's no reason to show anybody a report if there's not an action that's going to be done based on that report. Based on inaccuracies or questions or right, fixing. Even analytics. Like, a lot of times what I'll ask is... <clears throat> What are you going to do with this? Okay, you want a retention report. I'm going to show you a retention report. If it shows you that personal lines has a 72% retention, what are you prepared to do to fix that? Or is that just something you're going to be like, oh, yeah, we have a 72% retention? You know, what are the actions? A lot of times I, I will discuss that before we do analytics because I've gotten so tired of showing good information and having no action on it, mm. you know? And maybe it's because they're too busy or there's a million other things going on. But make sure that you're tying it in with actionable information. You know, I just so before you get data, check your accountability. Make sure you have folks that will act on that data, and you have the management structure in place to force compliance, or it'll be an exercise in frustration for you. And I think that's probably a good place to to wrap this up. Lots of talk about data, and frankly, just not enough discussion about this in agency organizations that I see. And it really is an underpinning technology mm-hmm. mindset process that that everything else is, is built upon. It is. I, I believe it's the foundation of the house. I mean, yep. you know, it's the difference between an agency with good data management and bad data management is night and day. The efficiencies that you can gain, the additional sales that you can get, you start to realize how much you can do with your data if you've spent the time and energy on creating that strategy effectively. Ryan, great. Well, this has been Real Talk on Agency Operations with uh, Ryan Deeds and myself, Steve Anderson. Thanks for uh, listening and look forward to having you participate with us in another show. This has been another episode of the Digital Broker Podcast with Steve Anderson and Ryan Deeds. Please send us your questions and comments. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review. This podcast is brought to you by NDO Technologies. NDO provides insurance agents and brokers a fully digital application, renewal, and accord submission process, creating a first-rate client experience. With less time needed to collect, rekey, and process applications, agencies using NDO can deliver more value to their clients. To learn more, go to www.useindio.com.